Jesus says, And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell. In the name of the living and true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Our Lord's teaching in today's gospel is not only incredibly sobering, it also seems to border on the absurd. In order to better understand this hard saying, I'd like to draw our attention to one of the great theological works of the 20th century, of course, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Whenever I read about cutting off hands and feet, my mind goes right to the scene with the Black Knight. For those of you who haven't yet had the pleasure, uh, in this scene, King Arthur, on his quest for the Holy Grail, encounters the Black Knight in a forest, and the Black Knight will not let King Arthur pass. And so a fight ensues. King Arthur, with one fell swoop of the sword, lops off the arm of the Black Knight. It's all very shocking and dramatic, until the Black Knight responds, "'Tis but a scratch. I've had worse." The fight continues. King Arthur lops off the other arm, at which point he simply assumes that the fight has now ended. "'Come on, then,' the Black Knight goads him on. "'Have at you!' "'You've got no arms left,' says Arthur incredulously. And then the knight replies with the famous line, "'It's just a flesh wound.'" The Black Knight charges, and Arthur lops off a leg. Hopping around now on one leg, the knight continues to taunt Arthur. What are you going to do, bleed on me? Arthur asks. I'm invincible, cries the knight. You're a loony, replies Arthur. Arthur lops off a second leg, and the Black Knight, who is now reduced essentially to a torso on the ground, finally concedes with the words, all right, we'll call, we'll call it a draw. It's probably obvious why this scene comes to my mind in relation to today's gospel. Jesus teaches his disciples, saying, If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God maimed, lame, or with one eye, than to go to the unquenchable fire of hell. Are we seriously supposed to take our Lord's words here literally? Surely not. That would be absurd, just like the Monty Python scene. I mean, if we were to literally follow these instructions, let's be honest, we would all look like the Black Knight at the end of the scene, and then some. No, the church fathers and biblical scholars and theologians throughout the ages are of one mind, unanimous in their opinion that our Lord is not here advocating for self-mutilation or body modification. Rather, the teaching of the church is very clear. This imagery is not to be taken literally, but it refers to the decisive action needed in order to avoid sin and to continue in purity of life. The shocking imagery of cutting off is designed to inspire us to immediately and with haste separate ourselves from whatever it is in our lives that tempts us to sin. I think part of what's so shocking about this imagery is that God made us with hands and feet and eyes in the first place. 
So why in the world would he advocate for us to separate ourselves from them? And there is an important answer to this question. It is a core Christian principle, not only that God created everything that exists, the heavens and the earth, but that everything that God created is good. In Genesis, we hear the same refrain time and again, and it was good, and it was good. This is true for the heavens and the earth, for the plants and the animals, and yes, even for human beings. Our souls and our physical bodies are created uniquely in the image of God, and they are created good. Evil, then, is not a created thing. Sin is not a created thing. Evil and sin are nothing more than the absence of or the distortion of that which is good. As such, the only toehold that the devil and his angels have in this arena of God's good creation is to try and twist and distort that which is good in an effort to tempt us to sin. So, for example, there's nothing wrong with food and drink. All the devil can do is tempt us to gluttony. There's nothing wrong with possessions. All the devil can do is tempt us to greed. There's nothing wrong with our work or vocation. All the devil can do is tempt us to sloth. And there's nothing wrong with other people and our relationships with others. All the devil can do is tempt us to anger and envy and lust. And there's certainly nothing wrong with God himself. All the devil can do is tempt us to pride, which at its root is putting ourselves in God's place as if there were some sane reason for this rearrangement. In our Lord's teaching in today's gospel, these body parts represent those parts of our identity that, while created good, have become a cause for temptation and occasion for sin. They may feel as natural a part of our identity as our actual hands and feet, so much so that we cannot imagine living without them. They could be any number of habitual thoughts or behaviors. They could represent any number of the activities or patterns or even people in our lives that tempt us to sin. The things that we do, the places we go, the stuff that we fill our minds with. Uh, as this teaching relates to other people, St. John Chrysostom writes, he says, Jesus is not saying this about human limbs, far from it. This is said about friends, about relatives, whom we regard in the rank of necessary limbs. For nothing is so harmful, he says, as bad company. Therefore, if someone's friendship harms you, cut them off from you. For if at times we cut off our limbs when they are incurable and are doing damage to our other members, how much more should we do this in the case of friends? If the limbs were evil by nature, all this advice and counsel would be useless. The warning of what is preached would be superfluous. St. John Chrysostom gets to the heart of the matter here when he says, in effect, if a limb or a body part is evil by nature, we wouldn't need this advice or counsel from the Lord. That is, the danger would be so obvious 
that we would know exactly what steps need to be taken. But what is so insidious about sin is that it can only cloak itself in and amongst God's good creation. It pretends to be good or justified when in fact it is deadly. Jesus implores us to separate ourselves from those parts of our lives that cause us to sin, even though they might feel like a natural part of our identity. Even though separating ourselves from them might feel as painful and unnatural as separating ourselves from a hand or a foot. These are the sins of which the psalmist refers when he prays, Above all, keep your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not get dominion over me. Then shall I be whole and sound and innocent of a great offense. Our Lord's charge calls into question the popular thinking that, well, God made me this way, and therefore everything must be okay. God surely made us with eyes and hands and feet. Yes, but he made them with very specific purposes in mind. So if those things which he gave us out of his goodness and love to use as instruments of his will begin to draw us away from him, he calls us to cut them off. Well, obviously, he doesn't expect me to cut off my gluttony or sloth or anger or resentment or my pride or lust or envy or jealousy. That's how he made me. Wrong. That is not the purpose for which he made us, and that is exactly what he calls us to cut off. And not just temporarily, not just sometimes or for a time, he calls us to eliminate the means by which we are tempted to sin in a way that they will not come back. The scene with Arthur and the Black Knight is completely absurd. What makes it so hilariously funny is how oblivious the Black Knight is to reality, how oblivious he is to the truth of his circumstance. There he is. He's mortally wounded, and yet he carries on as if everything is just fine. This is, in truth, the ever-present danger of the Christian life, to be mortally wounded by our besetting sins and yet carry on as if everything is just fine. The dangers of sin are not always as obvious to us as we might think. In today's gospel, Jesus is not advocating that we physically harm ourselves. He's urging us to pay attention to not be oblivious to reality, to not be oblivious to the truth of our circumstance. Sin is dangerous. It has the full potential to mortally wound us. Let us examine ourselves with eyes wide open and cut off those parts of our lives which draw us from the love of God that we might be partakers of his everlasting life. In the name of the living and true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost.